А теперь, начиная наше богослужение, я попрошу всех for this privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights to us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in the service be cursed as before all the works of devil illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, ignorance, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And Lord, stand on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation. And may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. I present the service into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Никогда не покину, Бури не страшны, стремлюсь я домой. 
жизни трудные минуты, Когда не видно солнышка и стуч, Когда приходят вдруг час и тревоги, Все уже, уже кажется наш путь, Когда ослабнут силы и нет рядом, Того, кто смог утешить, смог понять. Ты вспомни друг о том, кто всегда рядом, Он за тебя пошел на крест страдать. А солнце ниже, ниже все садится, Всем к закату скоро уж придет, наш путь житейский скоро прекратится, а в небе радость с Иисусом ждет, когда славно силы и нет рядом, того, кто смог утешить, смог понять. Ты вспомни друг о том, кто всегда рядом. Он за тебя пошел на Надежда мира уставший. 
If your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of scripture, the book of Matthew 5.45 and 48. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called, Called to Perfection. This promise contained in the commandment is the inheritance of the saints of all generations, and this commandment of Christ is addressed specifically to his students. Therefore, people who do not accept God's delegated authority over themselves have no part in the inheritance that is contained in this commandment and are not able to have it. Relevant to fulfilling this required commandment, we stop to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a man, specifically the goals that the righteousness of God abiding within our heart is called to pursue, and in part, the fact that the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant in which we died by the law for the law to live for the one that died and resurrected, and by so doing so receive confidence confirmation of our salvation in the new tablets of the covenant in the format of the law of the spirit of life so that we provide God a basis to give us the promise to be heirs of peace not by the past law but by the righteousness of faith like he gave it to Abraham and his seed for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith Romans 4:13 we note that the righteousness of faith is determined by the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, which is presented in the preached word of God sent together with the person who represents the fatherhood of God for us. Therefore, the promise of the peace of God is given only to those men that are obedient to the order of God, clothe themselves into a student of Christ, in accordance to which God sends to us his word by the mouth of his delegated persons. Therefore, the covenant of peace within the heart of a man is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God, which are the spoken words of God's delegated ones. God's faith is the commander. Our faith is the warrior that is obedient to God's commands. God's commands, God's faith is commands that are spoken by God, not what we read, but what we hear, and not just from any person, but the person that is a carrier of God's revelations, one that is sent by God himself. It is his words that become living, and only his words obtain that power that is necessary 
in order to build a proper relationship with God. In a specific format, we've already looked at six signs by which we need to determine and examine ourselves as to whether we are the sons of peace as well as the sons of God and have been studying the seventh sign because the scriptures state that only the sons of God can be sons of peace or the sons of peace are only those that are sons of God. The seventh sign by which we need to determine that we are part of the sons of peace is by our ability to clothe our essence into the holy and selective love of God. That is by our words. Our words need to demonstrate that love for God so that it can clothe us into God's love and those that will walk with us as well. Because to clothe yourself into God's love is to be a light to the world. You can't hide the light. It is visible and those who see will follow it. Those that are of the flesh, infants, blind men will not of course follow the light. They will follow the blind man that will show them the identifications of truth that aren't. They identify, they associate things very differently. When a blind one shows another blind one something, he shows him a specific part and allows him to feel it and tells them you 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 can only feel that one thing you can't feel everything but the one that uh, can see sees everything he doesn't need to feel it he sees the entire picture and when one that can see shows it the blind man can't see it and you say it's so clear everything stated so clearly but he can't understand it because he's blind to see but but above all these things put on love which is the bond of perfection and so the confessions of the faith of the heart we need to clothe ourselves into the love of God and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you also were called in one body and be thankful Colossians 3 14 15 God's love functions within the boundaries of peace or God's peace According to this place of scripture, the reign of the peace of God within our heart is possible only upon one condition, and that is if the selective love of God will abide within our heart, and if we will be clothed into the selective love of God. Since in the selective love of God, which is the atmosphere of the peace of God, we see concealed the good, wonderful, eternal, and uncomprehending for the human mind goals and works of God, called to build a unique and peaceful relationship exclusively between God and his children. God loved his church about Christ it's written that Jesus loved his church and committed himself washing her with pure waters by the word that she be holy and without blemish in love <laughs> by what did he cleanse her by the word you, you will say blood the word the word needs to speak of the truth of the blood blood is not functioning without the word everything with God is by his word God cleanses us by his word this word is written and he gives it to specific people and when they state it it will be actual it will be functioning so that it can cleanse the people preach in a way that the sermon can be used for cleansing of yourself so that the sermon would be as a protector from God's wrath the sermon needs to be preached in that format that 
it be a service of justification and not service of condemnation in the service of of, of sanctification there's also holiness and it works as you would salt your food your words would be with thanksgiving but when you add salt I've seen in order to uh, prepare something they add spice they and other things so give it aroma but still this product can't be food but salt can be food it needs to be something you add to your food and so this holiness be uh, in addition the food is the reigning grace of God that justifies a person of their sins the law does not justify a man it condemns and it was never called to justify a man it was called service of condemnation we together are in the service of justification and this justification is by righteousness that we receive and do we perform because grace reigns in the heart by righteousness and so in the selective love of God presented by the Holy Spirit as we know it is presented by the preached word of the apostles and prophets in the form of seven unchanging elements virtue knowledge self-control perseverance godliness brotherly kindness and love second Peter 1 2 through 8 each of the seven qualities of the fruits of virtue are in one the other contain the characteristics of all the other qualities which is why they flow one from the other complete one the other strengthen one the other and confirm the truthful nature of one the other these qualities these seven characteristics are called to be the moral perfection within our heart and an example inherent to the essence of God third the given qualities are the great and precious promises entrusted to us through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ fourth the given qualities presented in the seven characteristics are the imperishable treasure and unsearchable wealth of Christ with which we need to become rich in order to receive the inheritance of these qualities these seven unchanging characteristics it is necessary for us to receive the power of the Holy Spirit as the Lord and master of our life which is only possible when we have died for our nation the house of our father and for the destructive desires of our soul that in those men of flesh they put on the fig leaves their good work evangelism practicing spiritual gifts <coughs> but they actually needed to be clothed into the fruits of the spirit that gives the ability in the fruits of the spirit we need to be clothed and not the gifts of the spirit the gifts of the spirit are not given so that we be clothed into them because it comes from God but God gives us the seed of justification by which we need to bear fruit of righteousness and then the garments will then be the fruits of righteousness the means that we are to use for receiving the power of the Holy Spirit as the Lord and master of our life is the obedience of our faith to the faith of God by inheriting these great and precious promises in the form of the fruits of our spirit we become part of God's divine nature which is why why then the confessions of the faith of our heart become equal to the words that come from the mouth of God? 
The selective love of God demonstrated in the seven unchanging qualities and characteristics is called to destroy the stronghold of death within our body and in its place enthroned the resurrection of Christ in our body. The bond of perfection of the selective love of God is unconditional when it comes to the seven qualities of virtue, and unlike the tolerant and egotistical love of man, the unconditional nature of the selective love of God in the seven qualities of virtue is different in that it contains the burning jealousy of God, all his knowledge and his absolute wisdom, that in no way is able to be used for greedy and egotistical purposes and goals of a man. God's love is not blind as the tolerant love of man toward other men. When people say we need to love everyone, they as if found this in scripture, as if these are men that are blind because it isn't written in scripture. Only a person of the flesh is able to so-called find this in scripture. One that sees, a person that sees, will see that God hates those who hate him and love those who love him. And so the tolerant love of man toward other men is very conveniently used for greedy and egotistical purposes. God's love is not possible to be used, and it is identified in Scripture with these words, Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave, its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. Songs of Solomon 8.6.7 If you pay attention, God's love is as strong as death. Nothing in the world is <clears throat> more real than death. People of this world, philosophers of the world, they say all in the world is comparable, but only death is real. The world does not have reality except for death. Reality is something you can have. If you have millions and they don't belong to you, you die. And so what? the only thing that remains reality is death because you can't take anything with you. But here it says that love is as strong as death. Not that death that the people talk about, but that death that the scriptures talk about. The death of Christ. And he shows that God's love is very strong. I paid the price. I died so that the strength of the love of God, the power of the selective love of God, not condemn you, but protect you. And so the measure of the love of God is identified by and is known by the measure of God's hatred toward evil and men who do evil. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. This place of scripture talked about Christ as well as every person. In order to love those who carry righteousness and hate those who carry lawlessness. 
because again, righteousness and lawlessness do not function out of a programmable system, out of a man. And for this programmable system, there is a war, a battle happening between the powers of evil and powers of, of good. They want to convert the heart of this person to themselves because a person voluntarily needs to receive the one and the uh, or the other side. And the one he gives his heart to is the one that will become the master of his heart. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous, he loves righteousness, his countenance beholds the upright. The originals say, his face is favorable towards the righteous, he is attracted to the righteous one. When a person falls in love with another person, he's always looking for a reason to be next to them. God is the same way. When he falls in love with a person, he always looks for an opportunity to be with this person. Always. And he falls in love with a person who loves carries of righteousness and hates the carriers of, lawless, of, of lawlessness. Only loving what God loves and hating who God hates, we are able to demonstrate God's perfection in His reaction toward the righteous who perform good and the unrighteous who perform lawlessness. And we will remember that love and hatred are not emotions, but action that leads emotions. These are words that lead emotions, your actions. This one you communicate with, this one you do not communicate with. The selective love of God by its unchanging nature in the form of seven supernatural qualities is called to grow us into the fullness of growth in Christ so that we can light, shine the light of our sun upon the just and unjust and pour out our reins according to God's intentions upon the righteous for good and for the unrighteous to punish them. <clears throat> Considering, therefore, that these seven qualities of virtue, identifying the selective love of God, do not have an analog in the earthly realm of the human lexicon, nor in any dictionary of the world. The love of God is the foundation and atmosphere of the moral and immovable law, opening within our heart the essence of God and the essence of the heavenly kingdom. The love of God agape is a sovereign love which is unconditional. When it comes to the people, it chooses in its abilities to foreknow and predestine. For whom he foreknew, being omnipresent, being in the past, present, and future, he looks at the future as real time. And seeing the people who will hear his truth and follow and come to greet him, he foreknew them and he also predestined them to be conformed to the image of his son so that he, his son may be the firstborn among many brethren, Romans 8.29. Because of its sovereignty, the selective love of God never violates the sovereign rights of those people she selects. I stand at the door and knock. A person for himself needs to make the decision and dedicate himself to God. Open up the door means to dedicate yourself to God. Make the decision to reject something, refuse something, consider, some, consider something as nothing and the other as something that is valuable.
Many people do not value the word of God. They value materialistic things. And when the Lord will knock, he will knock upon the heart that had made the decision that for him wealth is the truth of the word of God that abides forever and the love of God never allows her own sovereign rights within her boundaries to be violated. These boundaries identified as his burning holiness. In a specific format, we've already looked at the demonstration of the selective love of God in the qualities of virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, and stopped to study the virtue of the love of God in the mystery of great godliness. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. 1 Timothy 3.16 God was manifested in the flesh. That is in every one of us. The fact that he came in the flesh... Not all saw this, but only those who lived at that time. And so for 2,000 years, all can see him now. These are the saints of God that have become a light for the world. In their flesh was he manifested. Manifested. He, by in them, he was justified in the spirit. In them, he was seen by angels. In them, he was preached among the Gentiles. By the church, can the angels see God? God was able to show himself through us. Preached among the Gentiles. How is it he doesn't preach himself? He preaches by your confessions and life, your light. Because missionaries can't do much they go to one place and they think in this way they spread the gospel the gospel spread when you're a light to the world and this light then can be seen afar and then God uh, distributes these rays he does God does not use these missionaries who have placed themselves or some uh, other missionaries sent and not a church. And the people go then and preach using their own means to do so. When the light sends, people, uh, they pray for him, they give him the resources and money, and he, and he then uh, reports to them and they pray for him. And so there, and he will always have sufficient in his pocket for himself and for the others that he's going with. This is the light. God wanted us to be a light there exactly where we are. By demonstrating the signs of the fruits of godliness, we identify the true quality of the love of God agape within the heart of a man, in his words, his actions, and the manner in which he dresses, which isn't supposed to prompt the instincts of the opposite gender. Further, we note that there is, an a, counterf there is a counterfeit form of godliness that exists amongst the nation of God as well. It has the form of godliness but denies its power and from such people turn away. In what way are they able to have this form of godliness to cover what's inside? Second Timothy three five. I read only this first phrase. 
but ahead of time it says people will be hard-hearted, will be lovers of money, will be arrogant, and so forth. How is it that they're able to cover that entire bouquet of evil things? By their words. They use the word not to demonstrate their thoughts, but to cover up their terrible thoughts. We're given the word not to cover our bad thoughts, but to confess our thoughts. But these wicked people, they con they conceal their evil thoughts, presenting themselves not as who they really are inside. They uh, ascribe their evil that's inside of them to the delegated of God, speaking all kinds of rumors against them. The scriptures say, if we don't break our relationship with people that have the look of godliness and will not distance ourselves from them, then they will corrupt our godliness that is contained in our good habits. In which way will they corrupt? They corrupt by opening their mouth and we listen to them. The scriptures say, <coughs> look at the Son of God, who is deaf as my servant who is sent by me you heard many things but did not notice your ears were open but you did not hear see what he did not hear he did not hear criticism and accusation against the nation of God the devil continuously accuses every child of God before to God himself but God doesn't hear he closes his ears and when Satan comes and shows God says this person's washed by the blood of the lamb this deafness is redemption and when someone says and you think they tell you something and they said something about a child of God yes they did something wrong this child of God but this child of God is redeemed and when a person does a bad thing or uh, performs a bad action it's possible this person already took these words back and you then spread this information that is no longer even existing. It's written, you're not to listen to this bad information or you will inherit the prepared for them destruction. Relevant to this fact, we came to the necessity to look at four classical questions. What characteristics do the scriptures ascribe to the godliness of God and that of man? What purpose is godliness called to fulfill within the relationship of God with man and man with God? What conditions do we need to fulfill in order to collaborate our godliness with the godliness of God? And by what signs do we identify that our godliness is truly collaborating with the godliness of God? In a specific format, we've already looked at two signs of question four by which we can determine that we are collaborating our godliness with the goodness of God and stop to look at the third sign this is by the fact that the Lord is our shepherd and so you need to identify if, if he's our shepherd then our godliness is collaborating with God's godliness if I acknowledge the Lord as my shepherd God falls in love with me and shows me his his grace but first I demonstrate my my grace to him my thanksgiving because I've acknowledged him as our shepherd and God waits for this to happen by accepting his delegated one as I sent as God as he as the father has sent me I send you 
these people that God had sent, they weren't deacons, they weren't assistants of any kind to other help people, they were apostles that God had sent. Today, this virtue is absent almost completely in the Christian world. They have they have the head Episcopal. And often even in Russia they call him as the uh, Episcopal who who watches. And oftentimes this is a title that comes from criminal authorities. They didn't take this from the democratic lexicon, but rather the from the criminal world. These were criminal uh, leaders. He is the one that oversees. And so, children of God, you need to wake up and watch who you follow and where you go to church, to a mausoleum or into a house of prayer where you need to tremble and prepare your heart to listen with trembling and fear. Psalm of David Psalm 23, 1-6 The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Though I walk, that means the Holy Spirit will lead him because David did not walk according to his own initiative uh, if the Holy Spirit leads me through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil Jesus if, as you remember he was taken the Holy Spirit leads a person to the wilderness so he be tested or tried if you think about it you uh, if you pr uh, form say a clay pot you form a perfect clay pot you then take it out to dry and after you take it out to dry you still can't use it because it needs to be tried and tested it needs to be put through a very large amount of heat force of heat in order for it to become a firm so that it be strong and then able to be used uh, as necessary it will become in the fire what it is purposed for. We will not perish in uh, in the trial uh, fires of trial. We will become who we're supposed to be for God, a light to the world. Remember this light, where. Gideon said, take this uh, clay pots and then take your torch and light them up. And when I see this, you will shout aloud, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. They had a clay pot and they had light that could be kept. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, with anointing, with power. Because oil is a symbol of authority. My cup runs over. 
the symbol of power, who the symbol of oil, this power is not for men, but for the angels. The covering is given f to the praying uh, woman for the angels so that they obey her. She's not obligated to obey angels there to see this veil, this anointing. And the praying woman is both male and female, independent from social status or anything else, or gender. It is part of the bride of the Lamb, one that prays. God calls all the wife and the husband to be a perfect husband. A perfect man is for men and women. There's no male or female gender with God. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23, 1-6 Evidence of the fact that God is our pastor in the given psalm of David consists of four parts. The fir First, the Lord makes me lie down in green pastures. The Lord leads me beside the still waters. The Lord, <coughs> he restores my soul. The Lord, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. To examine yourself and weigh yourself upon the scale place of righteousness <coughs> that we possess the listed components is to be done by four other components which demonstrate themselves when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death when we're uh, led by the Holy Spirit through this valley of the shadow of, of death we'll never be there alone he'll always be with us he'll never leave us although it may f appear to us as though he abandoned us but at this time he is very close to us and when we think he's left us then he carries us at that time upon his hands remember that you want to feel it in your emotions but you need to know it's not emotions at the time when it was very difficult and it appeared to you that he had abandoned you that is at that moment that he was actually carrying you in his hands We will not fear evil, for God is with us. <coughs> his rod and his staff, they comfort us. God has prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. God has anointed our head with oil and our cup runs over. By these four, you can identify that we have the other four components. In a specific format, we've already looked at the essence of the first three <coughs> components within our heart, which are evidence of the fact that the Lord is our shepherd, and stop to look at the fourth component within our heart, which states, He leads me in the path of righteousness. We will hold on to this component because in scripture there's over 2,000 places talking about these paths of righteousness about the other three there's a lot more the, a lot fewer places they are all one and the other and we'll talk about this more because there's so much more written about it because there's so much there we have been studying this he leads me in the paths of righteousness blessed are those who dwell in your house they will still be praising you blessed is the man whose strength is in you whose heart is set on pilgrimage psalm 84 4 5 how does the lord direct us 
upon these paths of righteousness leads us. If we don't have in our heart these uh, paths, then God will not be able to lead us upon these paths of righteousness. He leads us upon those paths that are already in our heart, that whom God is for us, what God has done for us, and who we are to God. And when we confess these things, He takes these words and leads us with these words upon these paths of righteousness. This means that the given person is being led by the Holy Spirit. Because it is impossible to lead a person upon the paths of righteousness against his will if he does not understand and does not differentiate the paths of righteousness from paths of his mind or paths of wicked and lawless who support the wicked. In essence, the paths of righteousness are paths of the Most High. At the same time, the paths of the wicked are their nets into which they catch unstable souls. In Hebrew, paths of righteousness is a net of righteousness, ways of righteousness, or ways of the Lord, a furnace which cleanses or refines from foreign particles of the soul. The step of righteousness, feet of righteousness, and prince of righteousness, growth, enlargement, and increase upon the paths of righteousness, being grafted to the body of Christ upon the paths of righteousness. In a specific format, we've already looked at a series of components contained in the meaning of the paths of righteousness which are dissolved in one the other, exist one in the other, support one the other, and identify the truthful essence of one the other. The next quality of the path of righteousness in the meaning of the nets or of righteousness is identified within the heart of a man as his calling. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, here it's talking about Apostle Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled filled both boats so that they began to sink. Two boats began to sink from one catch. All night they didn't catch a single fish, but according by the word of the uh, Lord they caught so much that they barely were able to take it out and when they filled the boats they see that the boat is filled and the net is fill, filled and still filled and so they called the other boat and they also filled that one and so the fish And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partner in the other boat and came and to help them. And they came to be and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. It wasn't surprise, but a supernatural fear that came upon him, because they understood it's God that's here. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken, and so also were James and John the son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. And so to be a, a 
fisher of men is to be a person of light we first need to catch ourselves upon the paths of righteousness into the nets of righteousness if we will not catch ourselves we will not be able to catch anyone else in the kingdom of heaven we'll catch them and lead them into a ditch we need to catch first ourselves and when you have caught yourself then together with you you will become a light and those who see this light they will be caught into that light because to catch yourself upon the paths of righteousness in the nets of righteousness is to receive your salvation for yourself and for your household in justification which is given to us freely because of the grace of God that is (coughs) in Christ our Lord and then confess this justification with your mouth as the faith of your heart in order to affirm or confirm it specifically our words where we affirm or confirm the faith of our heart are the nets of righteousness upon the paths of righteousness or light to the world the specific format of justification where we are have caught ourselves into the nets of righteousness is a guarantee in the seed of our salvation which we are called to turn to profit so that the promise in the seed of righteousness would bring to us the fruits of righteousness in the format of the stronghold of life that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that the that God has raised him raised him from the dead you will be saved for with the heart one believes into righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation Romans 10:9-10 if you will not confess you will lose the salvation that you heard and received and agreed to there exist at least seven main purposes contained in the nets of righteousness which we are which are upon the paths of righteousness that are pursue one goal and that is to obtain in the nets of righteousness adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ first we are called to catch ourselves upon the paths of righteousness in the nets of righteousness in order to receive the ability to control the emotions of our soul in order to free them from the bondage of the old person second we are called to catch upon the paths of righteousness into the nets of righteousness the given to us by God promises in the format of the unsearchable pure and imperishable inheritance of Christ We are called to catch ourselves upon the paths of righteousness into the nets of righteousness to become a light of the world that are f- and be foreknown and predestined by God. We are called to bind our person who relies upon the stronghold of death and perform a verdict and condemn him to hell. Sixth, we are called to catch ourselves upon the paths of righteousness into the rets, into these nets of righteousness so that we allow God to erect within our body the stronghold of life in order to carry the form of the heavenly body. Seventh, we are called to catch ourselves upon the paths of righteousness into the nets of righteousness to condemn the unclean and lawless who support the wicked among the nation of God. And so if you've paid attention, all of these seven meanings that are contained in the nets of righteousness are the oath promises of God which we are called to catch with the confessions of the faith of our heart in other words we are called to become fishermen throwing our nets and catching the fish that would not be 
men, but the oath promises of God that belong for the salvation of our soul. What good is it for a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Or what exchange uh, will a man give for his soul? Matthew 16:26. We need to catch God's promises and together with these promises people will be also caught. God's promises together with them men will also be. The Lord said, I will make you fishers of men. You need to understand it's not talking about men, but about the promises of God. You catch the promises and those men are a part of that promise because you become a light to the world. And so to be fishers of men, it is necessary to first become a fisherman of the oath promises of God that contain the specific goals that God has placed. In order to become a fisher of men, it is necessary to be clothed into the armor of light. And to be clothed into the armor of light, it is necessary by the cross of the Lord Jesus die for your nation, the house of your father, and corrupt desires of your soul. That, as we talked about, we often clothe into the calling of evangelism. But our calling is the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. In the allegories and uh, parables of scripture, the symbol of the paths of righteousness is the flow of living water that flows from under the threshold of the temple to the west. And the symbol of the nets of righteousness upon the paths of righteousness is the confession of the faith of the heart, where we are called to catch the promise that is linked to the door of our hope in order to give God the basis to adopt our body from by his redemption. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. Keep in mind, this is talking about our body. This is Ezekiel 47, 1 through 10. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For, for the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out on the right side. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits and he brought me through the waters. The water came up to my ankles. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through wa- through the waters. The water came up to my knees. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through. The water came up to my waist. Again, he, he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. He said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. When I returned there along the bank of the river, where... where <coughs> very many trees on one side and the other... Then he said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley, and enters enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing (coughs) that moves, wherever the river goes, will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish, because these waters go there, for they will be healed. And everything 
will live wherever the river goes, and it shall be that fishermen will stand by it from Engadi and En Eglaim, and they will be placed from spreading places for spreading their nets. Their fish will be of the same kind as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. This is a vision, and it wasn't, of course, the intention of actual fish. He was talking about the promises of God to understand the uh, consistency of this place. We need to first discover ourselves in the temple of the body of Christ to have a legitimate basis to then look at these uh, things as in the temple of our own body because these all will happen within our body upon the condition that we'll be a part of the body of Christ because the temple of God and we know this that was shown to prophet Ezekiel in the format of an allegory is the house of God which is in the heights of the heavens in his temple which is the body of Christ his, his bride or the chosen by God remnant and the body of man that has a part of this remnant that has a humble and contrite spirit fulfilling the condition that will allow yourself to discover yourself in the body of Christ it is necessary by the cross of the Lord Jesus die for your nation the house of your father and for the des destructive desires of your soul Apostle Paul desiring to discover himself in Christ Jesus in his body refused everything that he had that he considered gain for the benefit of Christ but what things were gained to me these I have counted loss for Christ yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him to catch himself in these nets not having my own righteousness which is from the law but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which is from God by faith faith not in what we've done but what God has done for us that I may know him and the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead Philippians 3 7 through 11 in order to discover ourselves in the resurrection of Christ in the stronghold of life it is necessary to first obtain Christ and discover ourselves in Him or to discover ourselves not with our own righteousness but that is according to the law but by the one that is in faith in Christ in order to obtain Christ and find ourselves in Him that is to enthrone our the resurrection of Christ in our body and find ourselves in this resurrection of Christ. This vision about the temple that was shown to prophet Ezekiel in the format of a specific allegory, we see the process of casting off the old man with his deeds, the process of renewing our mind with the spirit of our mind, and the process of enthroning the new person in our body and clothing our body into the new person the elementary phrase then he brought me back to the door of the temple we see here the, that they were faced toward the west they were to cook or to boil the offering for the sacrifice of sin 
Now he brought me through the entrance, which was at the side of the gate, into the holy chambers of the priests, which faces toward the north, and there a place was situated at their extreme western end. And he said to me, This is the place where the priests shall boil the trespass offering and the sin offering, and where they shall bake the grain offering, so that they do not bring them out into the outer court to sanctify the people. Then he brought me out into the outer court and caused me to pass by the four corners of the court. And in fact, in every corner of the court there was an, another court. In the four corners of the court were enclosed courts, forty cubits long and thirty wide. All four corners were the same size. There was a, a row of building stones all around in them, all around the four, four of them. And cooking hearths were made under the rows of stones shall stones all around. And he said to me, There are kitchens where the ministers of the temple shall boil the sacrifice of the people. For us to conclude that we will, or the conclusion that we are going to boil the offering for sins and also uh, be in the presence of these four corners of the court and enclosed courts. Here we're talking about the casting off of the old person with his deeds. The process of casting off the old person starts from the entry to the side of the side of the gate that faces toward the north. Not looking at the fact that all of this starts with the destruction of the stronghold of death in our body and the erection then of the stronghold of life and we see this in many places of scripture we see it as a great mystery written there's a great difference between offering of sin and the offering of sin that is boiled uh, with the boiled meat as it were we always uh, study, or most often study, the ones that were burned upon the fire, upon the altar. But here we see the offering that was boiled in a pot, offering for sin that was brought upon the altar was a burnt offering that completely satisfied the hunger and thirst of the holiness of God. The offering for sin that was boiled upon the in the copper pot did not quench the higher hunger and thirst of God but the hunger and thirst uh, of the holiness of man where he can affirm that he was a holiness of God because this meat was then eaten by the person who brought it this offering was for man at the time there's a place of scripture Zechariah 14 20 21 in that day holiness to the Lord this is when the stronghold of life will be erected in that day holiness to the Lord shall be engraved on the bells of the horses. The pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Yes, every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holiness to the Lord of hosts. Every one who sacrifices shall come and take them and cook in them. In that day there shall no longer be a Canaanite in the hand of house of the Lord of hosts. Zechariah fourteen twenty through twenty one. For Jews at the time, it was understood. For us, as rarely people talk about the offerings that are boiled in the pot, but only talk about the offering that is burnt upon the altar. We're going to have to talk about a little bit more. Before you boil the offering, it was first slaughtered before the door of the tabernacle. Then they sprinkled its blood upon the altar on all sides. And then the fats and uh, 
the kidneys uh, were uh, taken and they boiled it in the pot and that which was boiled was able to be eaten and from that you need to give then a part to the priest for if, if his offering is a goat then he shall offer it before the Lord he shall lay his hand on its head and kill it before the tabernacle of meeting and the sons of Aaron shall sprinkle its blood all around on the altar then he shall offer from it uh, its offering as an offering made by fire to the Lord the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys he shall remove and the priest shall burn them on the altar as food an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma all the fats of the Lord this shall be a perpetual statute throughout the generations in all their dwelling you shall eat neither fat nor blood and so I just read this place because you need to separate the fats uh, the kidneys and the liver and all this needed to be burned on the altar and with the blood you sprinkle the altar and only violating the order uh, that was given here was a great sin before God the sons of, of Eli as you know were corrupt they did not know the Lord and the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice the priest servant would come with a three pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling here it's talking about an offering that was being boiled then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot and the priest would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought up so that they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there and before they burned the fat the priest servant would come and say to the man who sacrificed give meat for roasting to the priest for he will not take boiled meat from you but raw and if the man said to him they would really burn they should really burn the f in burn the fat first as necessary then you may take as much as your heart desires he would then answer him no no but you must give it now and if not I will take it by force therefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord for men aboard the offering of the Lord first Samuel two twelve through 17 I want to pay attention here to the offering that was boiled that was present this was happening in the temple but preachers often do not preach about this because in order to adopt the body by the redemption of Christ it is necessary this offering is necessary that one is also uh, necessary but without it nothing will happen without the offering that will be boiled in the uh, bronze pot the reason why it was uh, forbid you were forbidden from eating the fats and the blood uh, of the of the animal the blood of the offering For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Whoever eats it shall be cut off. Leviticus 17, 11, and 14. The fats and the liver and the kidney that was burned, dedicated a person to God, to de dedicate yourself for service to God, Oil is a symbol of anointing. Anointing is something that belongs to Him. We are 
the belonging of God. God separates us. And so we need to understand what the separated uh, fats are. This is dedicating yourself to God. You separate yourself from what? From your nation, the house of your father, and your corrupt desires, so that you could die for your nation, the house of your father, and your destructive life. You shall put the holy garments on Aaron and anoint him and consecrate him that he may minister to me as a priest. And you shall bring his sons and clothe them with a tunic. You shall anoint them as you anointed their father that they may minister to me as priests. For their anointing shall surely be an everlasting priesthood throughout their generation. It looks like our time is up today. It's a very interesting uh, principle that I would like to together with you uh, look uh, in more depth in what way in the bronze pot that we are and what is the offering how do we how to prepare it where you prepare it there's a place at the very end of the uh, court there's the outer courtyard where they cook this offering uh, That's uh, 40 cubits and 30 uh, width in in width, and they prepare then uh, there, and from there they he then leads them. God, the Holy Spirit then led him further in, and it describes the revelation about clothing yourself into your new person or to resurrection. All these things before then shows how to cast off the old person and how to renew your mind. Right now we are going to bend our heads or our, knee, our knees and our heads and we will pray and all those who desire to resist those lusts, those uh, desires, sin that we are bound by or those fears that we're uncomfortable with we are we will pray because God has enough power to protect us and to bring us to these living waters these flow of waters close us into life amen we pray f uh, and wait for you here in this place at the altar so you can receive your freedom amen
I'm going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe in the fact that the Lord is for you he's not against you he is able he desires can and wants to deliver you from all doubt from all to destroy the stronghold of death in your body and erect the stronghold of life close your eyes this is your secret room lift your hands to God a sign that you're ready to receive from the Lord what he wants to give you Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ I come to you my heart is opened you see my fear my doubt my shame my fear I hate sin I love you. I love your word. I love your will, your commandments, your laws. I hate sin that lives within my body, that binds me <coughs> and makes my life difficult. May the stronghold of death be destroyed within my body by the law of your grace may the Lord show his mercy upon me and erect the stronghold of life eternal life in my body <clears throat> I reveal my sin before you I reveal my criminal acts that I hate and I reject them right now before heaven and hell I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words I am washed I am cleansed I am healed I am restored I am justified and I am saved your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ may the Lord bless you may he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace may thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you but they won't touch you may all the blessings blessings of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills be on you may the stronghold of death be destroyed and may the stronghold of life be erected and may the stronghold of death be put to shame and thrown into hell may this be upon you and your descendants and be fulfilled upon you and the nation shall say amen let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever amen